Good morning. It certainly is a, a beautiful Lord's Day. We woke this morning and were able to look outside. We were so pleasantly greeted with a, a beautiful sunrise. And it was just such, it's such an encouraging sight as the, as the night is, is broken up by that beautiful sight. But not nearly as beautiful it is to see each and every one of you here this morning. It's so encouraging to see each and every one of you, especially our visitors. As uh, Eric said before, we hope that you know you're our honored guest. We are very, very pleased to see you, and we do hope to get a chance to know you better, maybe talk to you after services. And if you would, I would ask you to go ahead and open your Bibles. We're going to be looking in just a minute in John chapter 11. In John chapter 11. It's a difficult burden to bear, to have to have lost someone close to you. But it's something that we all know that at some point we, we will have to bear. It's something that we will all experience in our lives. And even while we know that someday that we're going to have to deal with this, we're going to have to deal with the loss of someone, the reality is oftentimes we're not as prepared as we wish we, uh, as we, wish we could have been. But I take comfort in knowing that the Lord understands this, and He knows our grief. So I've asked you to turn to John chapter 11. If you will, look in verse 33. 33 through 35 is speaking of Jesus when He, when he traveled in to, to see Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus who has died. And it says in verse 33, Therefore when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, He groaned in spirit and was troubled, and He said, Where have you laid Him? And they said to Him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Jesus wept when he saw others weeping over the loss of a loved one. He understood the grief that comes with that. Likewise, he understood the idea of being prepared in John 14, over in verse, uh, just the first three verses of that passage. John 14 and verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Excuse me just a moment. Jesus understood this. He wanted to prepare his friends for his own death. And from this we see that our God is a God of great comfort, and He's a God that understands that at times we're going to grieve. And so that's what I want to talk about with you this morning, is, is the idea of grief in the life of a Christian. As many of us have read before, 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and through 5, it talks about how God, both now and, and in the days to come, we, we have an understanding that God wants us to be comforted. He says in first, 2 Corinthians 1, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 1, in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. If you want the simple version of this, it says that our God comforts us and He expects us to comfort others. But He also expects us to understand that sometimes people come to us comforting us and they bring that comfort that they have gotten themselves from God. 
expects us to bind ourselves together in times of need. But we also saw, as Eric read in Revelation 21.4, that he plans a day when we, we will have that ultimate comfort, when we will be gathered together with him. And as it says, he will wipe away every tear from every eye. There will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. These are days that we certainly look forward to, days that we can't wait for them to be here. But for now, in dealing with a death of a loved one, I, like so many of you, have turned to God and found great comfort. But I've also found these times that He provides very, uh, very different avenues of comfort. He's not a, a uh, one-trick pony, if you will. There are so many different avenues that God provides these comfort for. And I hope this morning, as we look at these different avenues, that, that some of these might be helpful for you as they have been helpful for me. These different sources of comfort that we're going to look at, I want to start with probably the most powerful source that we have, and that is our hope in Christ. Because as Christians, we do grieve, and there's nothing wrong with that. We focus so oftentimes on, on how it is a celebration when one who is saved in Christ passes away. And that certainly is true. But we need to remember that it is also a natural reaction when we lose someone close to us to be, to be grieved of that. There is, no, there is no guilt in that. There is no selfishness in that. In fact, that is what John 11 was showing, that Jesus understood the pain that comes with loss. But what he would have us know is we don't grieve as those who have no hope. Second, uh, or 1 Thessalonians 4, in verse 13 through 17 reads, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. He's talking about those who have passed away. Let you sor- uh, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, Even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means proceed those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we, shall, thus we shall always be with the Lord. What he's saying to us here is don't grieve as those who don't have any sort of hope. Don't grieve as those who, who, who don't have that hope of one day being with the Lord again in eternity. He said, understand that we will be reunited. And in verse 13 he says, take comfort from this understanding. Therefore comfort one another with these words. Focus on this, on this hope that we have. It reminds me of a story that was once told to me by a preacher, and excuse me, it's, um, it's something I've had a hard time forgetting. It's kind of one of these stories that, that gets into your, your mind and you just kind of store it away and you know you're all, it's always going to be there to pull back out when you need it. He said that no slave, no slave having toiled in the field, working and 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 uh, sweating and laboring in the field, who sees the master coming, and the master turns to his friend and says, your work in this field is over. Your days of toil, your days of labor, they're finished. Come with me. Come with me to the house. I've prepared a meal, and you're going to be my guest of honor. No slave left in that field ever looks at that slave called by the master who's, who's who says his, his toil is over, no slave ever looks at that person and says, what a poor soul. They're always so happy that their, their, their toil on that, in that field is over. 
Likewise, there is so much comfort. So much comfort in having a loved one who has died in Christ. The next thing, and, and probably my, my fondest avenue of comfort the Lord provides us is precious memories. Philippians 1 and verse 3 through 5 talks about how these memories can be such a source of comfort. The first, uh, the first chapter of Philippians in verse 3 reads, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. This is Paul writing. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine, making a request for, excuse me, request for you, for you, all with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. When we are reminded of one's faithful service in Christ, it can be such a source of comfort. And this comfort, these memories, they add to our confidence and that hope that we just talked about. Look in verse 6. He says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. These memories that we have of those faithful Christians, they can help us in our confidence even of that hope that we have. When my grandfather passed away, many of you, uh, or some of you here knew my grandfather, many I don't believe did. When my grandfather passed away, I heard story after story after story how he had in some way helped somebody, uh, how he had his cheerfulness had brightened someone's day, brightened their life. And probably my fondest memories were one that were just recently told to me of how he, in Somerset, where, where he worked for a long time, some of the brothers there had decided to have a Bible study. And they had called people from all around, and they called him and asked him to lead this Bible study. And when he got to the house, he found cars parked down the streets, in the yards, and the house was full of people. The living room was full. The rooms besides the living room was full. The, the front porch had people sitting on it. The windows were open. And this brother who was telling me this said he sat in the middle of all those people. And he said it was the happiest he'd ever seen him. He said his eyes were glowing. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> he said his eyes glowed. And it was just the happiest he had ever seen this man in his life to have the opportunity to tell others about Jesus. And I didn't know that story until just recently. But see, I lost my grandfather long before he passed away. I lost my grandfather when Alzheimer's set in. When Alzheimer's began to, to eat away at his memory and to eat away at his ability to do the work that he loved. But it's not tragic. It's not tragic at all. It's the happiest I've ever been to know what a wonderful man he was and the love that he, that he had for the work. It helped me when he passed. It helps me even more today. It gives me the strength I need to, to try and to live a life resembling of what he lived, to live a life towards Christ. So I'm so thankful for this avenue of memories that the Lord has given us that helps us to love those who are faithful Christians and to bring us comfort from that. Another avenue we have is our love that we receive from family, from brethren, and from friends. This is one way that God comforts us. He comforts us through people. 
Sometimes we pray for comfort. Maybe, maybe it's for ourselves and we say, Lord, we need your comfort right now in this time of grief. Or maybe it's for others and we see them struggling. We say, please comfort that person, Lord. Give them the comfort that they need. That comfort that we talked about in 2 Corinthians, comfort that we know comes from you. And sometimes God answers that prayer in the form of a family member, in the form of a member of the Lord's body, maybe in just the form of a good friend. Please realize, please realize that these people are blessings from God because when they comfort you, they are simply just reflecting the comfort that they have been given by the Lord. Oftentimes in, in our loss and our suffering, that's what really brings out the best in people. So I want to ask on this point, I want to ask a question for you today. Are you, are you comforting those who need it? And if not, take what God has blessed you with and give that to others. Pass it on. But maybe another question that should be asked, are people trying to comfort you? Are they trying to comfort you when you need it and will you allow them? I encourage you, if you will, you will be pleasantly surprised that you will see it is God working through them and not just them on their own. The love of family and brethren and friends is certainly a great avenue of comfort. But we also have another, and that is the Word of God. Turn back to Psalms 119. In the book of Psalms, the longest book, or longest chapter in the book of Psalms, 119. And in verse 165, where we read, Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. Great peace have we, have those that love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. It's likewise what's recorded in Psalms 1, the first three verses at the beginning of this book. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Both these passages show that the Word of God is an incredible source of peace and of strength. Both of these passages also, believed to have been written by David, they show what comfort comes from the law. Just talking about the old law here. And if this was true of the old law, how much more comfort, how much more peace, how much more strength comes from the words of Jesus? from the words of His inspired apostles. As Hebrews 2.17 says, He was made like us. Being, having been made like us, He understands the struggles that we deal with on a personal level. Many times in my life, I have been extremely comforted by the peace, by the love, by the hope that is found in God's words for us. But we should also consider another avenue. We should consider prayer. Prayer is a source of peace and strength. That's what the writer says in Philippians. <clears throat> in Philippians chapter 4, in verse 6, he says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. 
And then he likewise goes on again to say in Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4 and verse 14 through 16. He says, Seeing that then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. We should consider these prayers. And what the writers of these passages are saying to us is saying if we need help, if there's time when we're struggling, when we we have grief, when we need comfort, when we need strength, ask for it. God wants to know that we're relying upon Him. You've probably been told before that someone is keeping you in their prayers. Maybe you yourself have said that of others. How wonderful is it? How incredibly wonderful is it to know that our brothers, our sisters, our friends and family are approaching the throne of our God through our high priest with requests requests on our own behalf. How much comfort does that provide you? And lastly, these sources of comfort that I wanted to talk about, the last one I want to talk about is probably the one that I most enjoy the most, and that's songs. Songs of joy, songs of faith, songs of hope. These things are often sung at funerals, and these songs, they do so much to pick me up. They do so much to comfort my grieving heart, to hear my family alongside me, in unity proclaiming the hope that we have, proclaiming the love that God has for us, and even the ties that we have to one another, how we are, how we are tied together in Christ. I'm personally extremely comforted when I join together in singing songs of hope and faith in Jesus Christ. So with so many different avenues, so many different avenues which we can be comforted, it still seems that I've found the loss of a loved one to be a reminder of an amazing blessing. An amazing blessing that I have, and, and I can't help but think how kind and how loving God has been to me. But I'm aware that not all have these, these uh, reminders. Not all have these blessings to enjoy during their time of loss. So I want to spend the remainder of our time discussing how these sources of comfort can be developed. And the first one I start with is hope in Christ. Our hope is, as wonderful as it is, our hope is only for those who are faithful until death. Revelation chapter 2 talks about this in verse 10. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. That is not to say that we must be perfect until the end. What a terrible state we would all be if that's what God required of us. But rather a faithful servant of the Lord. I want to encourage you this morning, do not wait. Do not wait until it is too late. Doing so will only add grief to your loved ones. It will only add grief to yourself. We can build that hope in Christ. And we can also build those precious memories. We don't need to put off on making memories today. Take time to have someone over to your house. Take time to host a singing or a Bible study. Make a meal for someone. Do something to create those memories. 
especially memories of your faithful service to God, memories of your kindness to others. Ask yourself this morning, what kind of memories have I been creating lately for my family, for my friends? Speaking of my family and friends, how can we develop that love of family, brethren, and friends? This is one of those things in life that requires patience. Patience, one of those things that we want right now, but we have to wait on. It's something that we naturally must work towards. Loving relationships take time to develop. They don't happen overnight. Try to foster these relationships, but don't limit yourselves to just your family. I still remember in my life the men and the women with no relation other than Christ, some of which with no relation at all, who still showed immense love for me, especially in my times of grief. So again, I pose a question. What kind of relationships have you been building lately? The Word of God, just like these earthly relationships take time, so it also takes time to become familiar with the Word of God, to learn where to turn to find that comfort. What passages help create peace and renew our strength? Are we spending time in God's Word? Are we familiarizing ourselves with the Bible so that we can be helped, so we, we can find help when we are grieved? So oftentimes we, we want to use God as, as kind of a, a hotline for when we need Him. And so likewise, with the Word of God and spending time in it, we also need to spend time with Him in prayer. It's an incredibly valuable tool that we have if we are in the right relationship with God. Turn with me over to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 12. First Peter 3 and verse 12 says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are open to their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. As I said, so oftentimes we do treat God like He should just be on standby, ready for our every whim. No matter what kind of life we're living, we expect Him to be there to hear our cries. But real, real comfort is for those who are, are ever trying to draw closer to God. Are we doing that? Are we trying to draw closer to God? Do so by going to our Father, not only with our wants and with our needs. He wants to hear those things. But do also with our thanks and do also frequently. And then finally, with our songs. How do we develop? How do we develop that avenue of comfort through songs? Like the Word of God, songs, they, they certainly can comfort us, but it is usually only something that does so when we're familiar with those songs. How familiar are you with the songs that we offer up to God? How familiar are you with the songs that we edify one another with? Have you taken the time to personally reflect upon the words that we sing? And after having reflected upon them, do you take time personally to sing them? Turn over to James chapter 5. James 5 and verse 13. We have the first part of this verse down usually, and it's usually not too much of a problem for us. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. A lot of times we seem to stop there. But if we continue on in that verse, the next words say, Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing songs. We oftentimes have that praying part down, but we oftentimes fail to, to do that second part, to sing those songs when we're cheerful. 
Maybe when things are going good at work, are we walking around with a song on our lips? Or are we just walking around taking that for granted? Maybe when everything in life seems to be going our way, do we stop to lift ourselves up and lift our praise and our thanks to God to Him through prayer, even if by ourselves? Do we take the time to do that? Ask yourselves, do I sing spiritual songs enough that in times of comfort, when I need them, they will be able to provide it for me? The death of a loved one, it certainly became difficult. It certainly can be hard. But because of God's grace, it's made easier. It's made easier to bear. Hebrews 2, verses 14 through 15 says, Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to the sla- or to slavery all their lives. Jesus died. He died so that we might not have to fear death for ourselves, for our loved ones, but to welcome it as a glorious relief, as we talked about earlier with those slaves, what a glorious relief death can be. In fact, if back over in Psalms, in uh, chapter 116, verse 15, we see God's view the way God views death for His saints. It's as precious in the sight of the Lord as the death of His godly ones. When God looks down upon our loved ones, those who have that hope of Christ, those that who have died in faithful service to the Lord, He looks down and He is relieved to not see them suffering, to not see them struggling in this, this sinful world. Finally, they have that rest. The loved one who has finally gone home And if we remain faithful, that separation is only temporary. The blessing that God gives His children in their time of death are numerous. They are numerous, but they are those that must be received. They are those that must be acted upon. We must act now in this day to benefit from them in the future. So finally, I'll leave you with just a few more questions. Are you today preparing yourself for that day? Are you doing things today that will make the death of a loved one easier to bear? Are you doing things today that will make your death easier to bear, even a cause for celebration? If you have not yet become a faithful child of God, I would say that you you aren't doing that. You aren't making it any easier on your friends, on your family, if you have not yet devoted your life to Christ. As we see those who die outside of Christ don't have these same faith, uh, faithful promises, don't have this hope that a Christian shares. But if you don't want that to be your future, if you want to have those things that God has promised to you, it is not something that is outside of your power. It is not something that you, that you just have to be forced to miss out upon. God's invitation to you is open. It is always there. He is standing and beckoning knocking at the door, hoping that you would invite Him in. We do so through believing on Him, through trusting in His Word, believing the promises that He makes that He will save us, that He will give us that glorious rest. We do so not just in believing in Him, but believing the words that He says. Words like Mark 16 and verse 16. Mark 16, verse 16, which says, He that believeth, 
and is baptized will be saved. He that believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And after we have given our lives to Christ, after we have have believed in Him, and after we have been baptized into into His death to be raised anew, to walk a life that is reflectant of that life that He has given us. That's what we're called to do. That's what it means to be a Christian. I don't know where you all are this morning in your walk. Maybe you're at the point where you need to offer that, to make that step to offer your life to Christ. Maybe you've already made that step. Maybe somewhere along the way, you've, you've fallen back. You've fallen back into sin. You've fallen back into that old life that you put away. My encouragement for you this morning is don't wait. Don't wait any longer. We have no assurance as to what that day will be when the Lord returns. We have no assurance as to what that day will be when we are called to meet our Maker. But we do know that at that point it will be too late. We won't be able to change the decisions that we've made. We won't be able to go back and right the wrongs. But Jesus is calling us today. He can correct all the problems in our lives. He can restore us and restore that relationship that we have with Him. As we sing this song of invitation, I hope you will think upon these things. And if there is something that we can do for you this morning, please don't wait. Please come forward now and let it be known as we stand and sing.